0: We apologize for this brief interruption in the show. As many of you likely know, the Higher Standard Podcast is officially sponsored by Transcend Company. Transcend has been my longtime provider for both testosterone and peptide therapies. But they offer so much more. Whether you're interested in health, wellness, or longevity, it all begins with you getting your blood work done. A lab draw will help you get the numbers and establish your baseline. You can go to TranscendCompany.com THSP. That's TranscendCompany.com THSP. Or you can click the link in the show notes on any streaming platform and on YouTube. Fill out your information and one of the representatives will contact you to get your journey started today. Now back to the show.
1: Feeling up to it? Sign your life away, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, mean,
0: after this, it's pretty much all downhill. So So
1: you're Mm -hmm. telling me you're not going back to the NFL (laughs) after
0: this? (laughs) Yeah, no. Arun, you alive back there? Yes, sir. All right. You will hear him from time to time pop in and chime in. He does that. It's freaky. We got used to it, but you know, if he scares you, feel free to scream. Uh, it, is, it is kind of overwhelming when a large guy is like, hey, hey, hey.
1: <laughs>
0: Let's go. All right. Let's jump into it. Welcome yeah. back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Sitting next to me, as always, My uh, very cozy and appropriately
1: dressed uh, partner in time with the Travis Scott's on, the one and only Saeed Omar. Oh, thank you, man. Sitting next to me is my partner in crime with the Beater Air Max 97s?
0: Yeah, I thought I was going to the gym today, and then I realized that I'm fat now. Oh, got it. I still haven't put it together yet.
1: Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And
0: uh, behind the ones and twos, as always, DJ Arun, who showed up appropriately three minutes late. I'm <laughs> it's
2: just—it just gets worse and worse every time, right? No, no, that's, that's, your, that's your calling card now. It's like Batman, <laughs> you know. And,
1: and today, what do we got today, Chris? Today is on you, brother. Go ahead and introduce the uh, world-class guest that we have—the world-class guest, the Super Bowl champion—and there's so much more to him, Mister Jordan Franks himself. Thank you for coming on the show, man.
3: Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate the introduction.
1: Yeah, man. Long time, long time listener, too. He's supported us for quite some time.
0: This would probably be a good time to let everybody out there in listener land know that Saeed sounds like uh, he's had some uh, throat problems. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the world's fault. You sound like, you know, you've been doing some things. I've been doing
1: some things. Yeah, I've been coaching. That's Uh, what it Sure, is. I've been coaching. The son, uh, my, my boy, had a basketball game this weekend. Let's just say they underperformed. And I was getting on him a little bit. So you're the abusive parent? No, the abusive coach. Jordan, how do you feel about abusive coaches?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not much of a yelling coach myself. No.
1: Man. There's a time I, to don't, I, forward, I
3: guess.
1: So, so, so truth be told, truth be told, I, I don't yell ever. So by me just screaming out a play, hey, guys, get in the 2-3 zone, one or two times of that, I'll lose my voice. God honest you, truth. Have you listened to your own show? You scream at me all the time. I think you're forgetting who screams. I
0: don't scream. Yeah. I, get, I get animated, sure, but I don't scream. Yeah. So, Jordan, you found the podcast, if I do recall correctly, just because you were simply interested in financial literacy, right? Is that how you, is that how you came across us?
3: Yeah, so financial literacy and I was listening to Mind Pump. Ah, there um, it is. Ah. Yeah, Adam. There we go. Yep. My wife's yep. a DPT, Doctor of Physical Therapy. I was telling Saeed okay, and, uh, came across the show and she loves the show. Then found y'all's show, and then uh, been listening. Well, I think a year and a half now, two years
0: almost. I uh, I was just at their holiday party on Saturday night, and it was great because Saeed and Arun were not invited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that was I think that was strategic on their part.
0: <laughs> yeah, we went out there and did the whole holiday party. It was a great holiday party, man. They had, they, they there was different. a weight limit to the party; I couldn't make it.
1: Ah, yeah.
0: I, I'm gonna be honest. There were a lot of good looking people at that party. <laughs> I was like, I you know I couldn't walk in because my wife, you know, is beautiful, and I'm not allowed to look at anybody else. So yeah. I was like, honey, I don't know how do I go. How do I attend this? Right. So we decided that I was just gonna look down the whole
1: night. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So if I didn't say hello to each <laughs> party. It's not because I don't like you. It's just because I can't look at you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, so Jordan, I know just given, um, from what I've been able to see on your page and the few conversations that you and I have had, financial literacy seems like something that is really important to you. Has this always been the case? Um, I know that you've always been a numbers guy. I, I think I saw on your page not too long ago that you keep track of the gasoline prices, um, at, at your like local community. And uh you've been doing that for I don't know how long, so I think you've been a numbers guy for quite some time. So you wanna dive into any of that?
3: yes for sure. So yeah, I've always been an analytical guy, uh very black and white, very not emotionless, I guess you say. Uh wife gets a little mad at me sometimes for that, but this is <laughs> how I was always how I've always been. Um yeah, to the gas prices, actually it was my father in law's truck who's been keeping the index gas, Northern Kentucky Gas Index is what I call it, for about 30-some years. And I bought the truck from them and bought the book off of them and kind of keep it going. So it's uh, pretty cool See the inflation as cool, it man. progresses year to year.
0: You've always been this black and white, really? Yeah, that's how I grew wow. up, though. Uh, I had a
3: unique up, uh, upbringing, so it kind of played into that, I would say.
1: Right, your, your father sure. was a sergeant, right?
3: Yeah, so my dad was a master sergeant in the military for... Ah. 30 years and uh, also grew up in a national forest in a trailer in the middle of the woods, so a little isolated, so military raised, uh, me and my brother, my mom, in a small little farm.
1: Wow, man, so, that's, that's incredible, man. So, I mean, let's let's kind of just dive right into it. I mean, I think a lot of people are, are curious about, you know, you're a former NFL player or still are you still in the NFL? I don't know if you've officially retired or not um but i mean how does somebody in the nfl even begin to manage their finances i mean you go from playing college ball to all of a sudden getting a big payday right um and mm-hmm. i know those paydays aren't year round right it's only during the season so how much help or you know how much help did the league provide you in helping you feel prepared for all that
3: right so yeah step number 1 is 90 to 95% of professional athletes have no clue about financial literacy at all. Zero. Mm-hmm. So, uh, going into the NFL, rewind a little bit. I went to UCF, which is a university in central Florida. Got my undergrad in business. Always wanted to understand how money worked, how businesses worked when I grew up. Uh, and I didn't, the closest thing I knew to learn about it was go to a business school. Mm-hmm. um, Never heard of the stock market till like my freshman or sophomore year in college, when I tell you, I grew up in the woods, I grew up in the woods, like it was hunting, fishing, or sports. That's all you did so uh, went to business school, graduated, had a chance opportunity to play in the n f l took that chance uh they gave me an inch, took it a mile, turned into a five year career retired this year um and to answer your question about the financial literacy, oh, thank you too. Um, I just didn't, I just didn't want to be a uh, statistic, if that makes sense. Um, I'm an older brother. I wanted to be a set an example of what to do with your money, if you got money and how to keep it, how to grow it. Um, so the first two years of the NFL, I'm, I just saved and studying, studying my ass off, just read a bunch of books, uh, started my master's at Indiana university, which is a top business school, you know, whatever that means to you. Um, find a found a couple of financial mentors, which is the biggest cheat in the game, which I'll my biggest uh hint to anybody, find a good mentor. Mm. A good mentor is somebody that'll provide you education without anything in return. So uh big, it's kind of a big disconnect for a overview. lot of people.
1: Yeah. So like basically yeah. don't pay for a course.
0: Yeah. Don't <laughs> nobody you no. got to buy a mentorship from is really a true mentor. That that's just somebody selling you a service. Right. Mm hmm. Exactly,
3: which I'm big into in the sports world, which is a lot of athletes get taken advantage of,
1: oh, just yeah. like the general
3: public, too. So uh,
1: absolutely, that's pretty much
3: the overview of my financial. We get into uh, more details, though, if you want, you know, yeah. how we get paid. And- yeah,
1: man. Let, let us know. I mean, how, how does that even begin to work uh, as far as how do you guys get paid and, um, and how do you manage all that?
2: Well, before we get into that, can I ask? Um, so you were talking about finding a mentor. Mm-hmm. Who, who was your mentor?
1: Yep.
3: Yeah, man, that's funny. My man, Mister John. I got a uh, dinner with him next Sunday. Okay. And my man, uh, Mister Dan. So, uh, yeah. So I I'll start with this. I started playing at since. I earned all most of my a lot of my money, and I just saved it. Now I went to the Cleveland Browns, and I'm like, okay, I need to learn how to invest my money and do this correct way. So, um, uh, at first I actually started investing with my wife's, uh, financial advisor who works for Morgan Stanley. Mm, okay. So I was like, okay, this seems like the right thing to do. That's what everybody does. Right. Invest in my money. Okay. And then me being me, I like to know, you know, why am I investing in this? You know, what is, what is my money doing in this account? I'm not just going to turn my head, you know? So, uh. I went down the whole financial literacy route, uh, read a series sevens book, read a SIE book, what else? Um, read the insurance books. I got uh we call it, certified in insurance. Mm-hmm. So I just know about that game. Um then answering your question about the mentor, I was I broke my leg and I was in a physical therapy office and I randomly heard this uh guy talking to a physical therapist about uh, expense ratios. I had no clue what this meant, but yeah, yeah. index funds. And he's using return on equity, return on investment mm-hmm. and, uh, return on equity ROI. And these are terms I heard from my business class. I didn't know what they meant, but I knew he knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I went up to him. I was like, Hey, Mr. Uh, you know, can we go get a dinner somewhere? Whatever. He said, uh, he actually invited me to Chick-fil-A. He's not big into spending a lot of money, which, He's your okay. typical, if you ever read the book Millionaire Next Door, he's your typical millionaire next door. Okay. So he took me under his wing, and uh, this guy never made over 100000 in his career. He's a 65-year-old man in northern Kentucky that has a $5 million investment portfolio, three paid-off houses, all from compound interest and index funds.
1: Wow. So, uh, that's the dream, man. I mean, but yeah. yeah. The, sad,
0: the sad part is, is like, that's so rare. I know. That's not mm-hmm. most of
1: America. And this is the same advice that, you know. Our guy Warren Buffett and rest in peace, Charlie Munger, they preach. And to your point of, you know, kudos to you for understanding that you needed to to read in order to learn. that's something Charlie Munger would always say is, I don't know any other way to learn other than by reading. Right. Right.
3: And I will shout out my uh, other mentor, Mr. Dan, who's the chief financial officer for the Chiefs. He kind of, he didn't have to, but he took me under his wing and he's showed me more of the financial background, like DuPont analysis, stress testing, which you're showing me about. And uh, mm-hmm. other analysis like that. So well, did you, did you approach
0: him or did he recognize that you were interested in finance and then approached you? Like how how did that happen?
3: Oh yeah. Oh, I approached him. I always going approach people now. You know what yeah. you're talking about. You're gonna get a handshake yeah. out of me. <laughs> so. so you're out of luck, Saeed. Ah, uh, damn yeah. it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so walk me through like what what it's like in the league. I think a lot of people glorify the idea of being in professional sports but a lot of people really don't understand mm-hmm. the actual logistics of playing in the league. So especially as it comes to how you get paid and what that looks like and then what your expenses are. Can you walk us through a little bit of that just to kind of help people just like shed light on, on how different yep. it actually is?
3: Yeah, let's get to it. So, um, yeah. so first off, the way the pay structure is set up is between the owners and the uh, players. It's called the CBAs. That's the name of the contract. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's certain brackets that are set pre-draft, pre-when you get into the NFL. So when you see the NFL draft, each draft pick is actually going to pay the same base salary for three or four years, mm-hmm. which is rookie minimum, which rookie minimum now is 750000 So you shouldn't be complaining about money.
1: Right, <laughs> exactly. So
3: 750000 is rookie minimum. Now what you see first round pick or first pick, second pick, those are signing bonuses, which are attached to the base salary. Mm-hmm. So the only difference between a first round pick and an undrafted player is the signing bonus. They have the same contract.
1: Got it. Got it. That makes sense.
3: Yeah. All right. So when you get drafted, you come into the team, you really don't get your money until two months after you get drafted for everything to settle and you to come terms with the team. Um, and you, don't get, you only get paid – well, it's changed now, actually. So you get paid from week one to week 18, then another 18 weeks after the season. It used to just be the football season, but now they expanded it to after the season as well. Okay. And you get paid your base salary divided by, was that, 32 weeks, 36 weeks mm-hmm. per week. That's your uh, salary. Got it. Okay. All right. So now let's talk about the expenses. So obviously you got Uncle Sam. He's gonna take. He's gonna take half. That's <laughs> yeah, like right half. off That's the how top. <laughs> yeah. uh, right off the top. Then you got. Let's say you stay in a, you no, know, no income tax state. So that'll be nice. No state income tax. Usually you got city and uh, county tax. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Make sure I get all the taxes out. Typical ones. That's pretty much it. But then there's also another tax that a lot of people don't know. It's, I forget what it's called. It's like the entertainment tax, or yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, basically, really? a tax. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're in the entertainment yep. space, sports Take- space, you get you get another tax on top of you for that.
1: Holy God, I never heard of this. Yeah, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Sadly, yeah, man.
0: Yep,
3: so Another tax. So that's out. Then this is where I I start having my issues. You got your agent fees, which is about on average three percent which is the most agent can do. And we can talk about that too. 3% of gross income. Then um, you got your union dues, which is I believe 18 grand right now. Um, And that's just, this is everything that just comes before you even see the check.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And they, they get that 3% gross before all that gets taxed. I want to make sure that I get my 3%. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right. And remember this too, this is where I had an issue is that the contracts are already, out. Like it's already three to four years solidified. You're not changing it. So my point is, like, I don't understand the point of an agent. The contract's already negotiated for four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like, what did you do? What? You signed yeah, like your like name in financi- my check. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: like, like, yeah. Right. It's, it's like a financial advisor, but yeah, the whole percentage-based fee thing with a uh, a contract you didn't negotiate is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you, they take three percent. Then, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's your typical cost before you even get your check. Then you got to do all this living, uh, which living is always interesting because you can't just get a 12 year lease, you got to get month to month lease. Or if, if you buy a house, you might have to sell your house, move to another place. That whole realtor fee is yes, it's a, a bunch of fees, a lot of living cost fees,
1: right? And these, these all sound like some fees industry. that. If you're not educated about them, I mean, I'm sure you probably have seen some players out there spend their check before they actually get it, and now they're raking up all these fees, and next thing you know, they probably spent their first-year salary already at, like that.
3: Quick, yeah. They don't really have time to think about it. They're more focused on how can I produce, how can I produce more cash flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, their, cash, their investment is their body, so they're more focused on that than actual learning the literacy the expenses and how it's going to burn up your money quick to your
2: point. Right. Yeah. Were you getting any of your um, like teammates wondering like, bro, why aren't you in the gym? Why are you in the <laughs> CFO's uh, office?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I would, right. Is there a lot of peer pressure there like from other people? Like we're spending money. How come you're not out here with us spending money?
3: Yeah. So if I say one thing now, man, don't get it twisted. I was in that gym. That an, no. Yeah, well, that was
0: a fat guy. So the fat see, guy calling yeah. you fat. I mean, like, you no, know. that's wild. That's yeah, wild. Nah, mean, you just assumed you were gonna be rotund. <laughs> <laughs> <You know?
3: laughs> hey, that's funny. <laughs> but nah, so we. uh So my typical day, honestly, I was grinding. There ain't no doubt about it. I mean, I had an oppor- I had an opportunity to really educate myself and make good money in a s- short time span. The average NFL career is two years. Wow. So I made a five-year career out of it. So I would have been a fool to not take the opportunity, even though it sucked. I was doing football and reading every day for three, four years. But Right. So to answer your question, I would wake up at 5, 4.30, a little stretch routine, warm-up routine, go to the facilities, around 6, 5.30, Um same thing, hot tub, prime, mind pump, mm-hmm. CNS Connection, then uh, workout, do whatever, uh, meetings, blah, 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 blah. So that'll take about eight hours out of my day from 4 to eight uh, 12. Mm-hmm. Then from for two hours of lunch break, I'll go eat my lunch and read, hour and a half. Then from about 2 to 4, 2 to 5, it'll be football again, film sessions. mm mm-hmm rehab practice whatever and from six to nine six to ten i'll go to a local library or a local coffee shop and that's where i'll study some more series seven man. whatever cfo the book gave me 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 with mr dan and i just did that for doing my nba classes for uh three years That's incredible, but you see man. that's why i got this long beard man
0: <laughs> yeah I grow. not a lot of time
3: yeah. me too
0: he, he's time. rocking a low low though. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, this is at so, home. This
1: is this is when you yeah. do it yourself.
0: <laughs> That's when you know you're not working hard enough. You know what this guy, I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. the guy outside is clean shaven.
1: I'm just saying it's a trend. You want me to walk in there? <laughs> <laughs> right, man. But that I mean, to, to anybody out there that says that, I, I feel like I don't have any extra time to learn. I mean, look, I look at somebody like somebody like you, right? Where you understand, you understood clearly early on that the you know, like you said the average career span for an NFL player is two years and you got to maximize this time. But yet, so you need to make sure you're performing for the team because they don't care about what you are doing on the side. They need you to still show up and do what you're paid to do. Right. And so in order for you, you got to still maximize there. And then on your free time, go home and, you know, learn about all this and try to maximize that. I mean, that's a great valuable lesson right there in and of itself.
3: Yeah, you're right. That's the main thing. Was, um, that was a tricky part. How can I? Because you're, you're a 1% of the 1% when you're in the NFL. And every, especially now with globalization, like every day, every year, they're bringing it in, to be specific, every Tuesday, every team is bringing in people in your position to try them out. Every like Tuesday. Whether from California, every Tuesday. Wow. Whether it's from California or from Europe or from Asia, they're bringing them in, flying them in
2: that's the practice squad right or are they just like completely undrafted everything
3: no so that's they're just random people just random athletes that they fly in to see if they're better than you and then
2: god
0: okay so now's a good time actually site i'm flying in somebody to see if they're better than you for the show um so
2: you're keeping me that's yeah, you're I good.
0: Know. You're good. I know you're consistently late.
1: You're fine. But him <laughs> I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to take his job. You <laughs>
0: can't be coming in to work with a raspy right? voice. This is what
1: you do for a living. Yeah, I know, seriously, right? Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: that's how it goes. Then that dude will be walking right in front of you in, in a glass window, you just watching him. You know, your position is kind of
1: funny. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so is that how you were looking is that how you were looking at Kelsey last year when you were walking by him? I'm, I'm going to take your job, boy.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. That wasn't no.
1: No. <laughs> no deal. No. He, he's pretty so he's
3: pretty he's pretty
0: solidified over
3: there. Yeah, yeah. he is now. He's doing yeah.
1: he, he's doing all right. Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. Right. <laughs> so walk me through. So you get interested in this, right? You're in the league, you're you're clearly into a, a longevity in your career, in your life, and you're thinking past the league. Yep. How do you go back mm-hmm. and help other athletes with this? Like how, how do you take your skill set, which is so rare in the league, and help people grow yeah man this
3: this is the part where I'm running into an issue right now is that's, my, that's one of my ultimate goals is I want to help basically mentor athletes with financial literacy
4: mm.
3: and it's tricky because to be that one percent, especially when you're in professional athletes, you have to one be hard-headed to a sense like you have to be so focused and not listen to any outside nose noise that you're perfected your craft and that rubs off to every other avenues in your life whether it's finances health mm-hmm. relationship advice whatever so then that's that's the biggest wall that i've seen i guess you say and then two it's you know you're a football player for five years what do you know about finances oh. that's that's kind of like what i yeah, run into your, right now
1: your credibility
0: at? yeah Got it. Dude, and that, that's not unique to, to football i right. would tell you I get this all the time where I'll talk to somebody about money and they'll be like, bro, you don't have a Ferrari. Why are you talking to me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. A, that's
1: the smart thing to do. What are and you, talking and about? you're like,
0: what? Like, <laughs> right. since when did that shit mean that I feel someone was rich? Right. Let me go rent one. I'll be right back. Like, You know what I mean? Like, It's just stupid. But that right. but the optics play so much into it and people don't want to look at things and go, okay, mm-hmm. you know what? Maybe this person put in the time that I didn't. Maybe they have experiences that I didn't. Maybe they can help me. People don't want to hear that. Right. They just want this visual now. I and mean, I blame social media a lot for it, but especially a lot of those guys in the league now, they come up, they're young, right? They've been in the league for a couple of years. In some cases, they're still in their early mid twenties. You know, they're hard headed. Like mm-hmm. you said, they, they don't know what they don't know. Right. I know it sounds
1: bad, but so I would imagine given how, you know, how hard, how hard headed and how focused some of these guys are. Right. Um, and you're really there just to help. Do you have, like, an example that you like to hit them with early just to show them, like, I know what I'm talking about or this is something you need to be focused on. Is there anything you approach them with first?
3: Man, it's hard. It's uh, What I try to show them is just examples of players from before. Uh, this guy had this much money and now he's broke. You know, the average, you give him stats, the average professional athlete's bankrupt after five years. Um, what else? What what are you doing right now with your money?
4: Yeah. Just a little question, right.
3: but it's hard. It's just the same. It's the same picture over and over. Uh, and not, It's hard because I don't like to say, you know, the NFL should do more or, you know, these people should do more. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the athlete's choice. You know, he's making
0: good yeah, money. Yeah, but the NFL the knows, knows what they're doing, him, so. though. Uh, see, I blame the NFL. I blame mm-hmm. the league on that, too, and I, I think it's an ecosystem because – this is going to sound a little, a little conspiracy-ridden, but bear with me. I think a lot mm-hmm. of the professional sports organizations and a lot of the teams that are there, if you're an owner of a team and you truly give a shit about your employees, your players, mm-hmm. like you should be invested in their financial health. But there is this dark conspiracy thought in my head that says, okay, if these guys are out there going broke, spending their money, living a wild life, they're eager to stay in shape and stay at top of their game because they need that money coming in because they fuck up. You know, they got a lifestyle of support. And I feel like there's, there's a little bit of that parasitic culture there where they're like, it's not my job to stop him. It's good for me, whatever. Because a lot of these guys could bring in somebody for money purposes right out the gate. They could say, hey, you're year one, you're a rookie. You're taking financial literacy classes. But they don't.
3: Mm-hmm. Right? Well, so actually the thing, funny thing is they do. We do have financial literacy classes. Oh. and Now, but to your point... I'll say this: Tell you all you need to know is the financial literacy class this year. The first subject we were talking about was um, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin.
2: Fuck, <laughs> come on, guys! Well, some, dude, I mean, like, can you blame them? Just like, can you actually blame them? They're all a bunch of twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three-year-olds. They're all on social media. They're kids, man. Well, They're, the
3: well, this is the this is the people that are talking are advisors. So these people are forty, fifty, but and. This is where I try to conspiracy things. I think they're trying to relate to the young athletes yeah. by talking, you know what I'm saying, financial literacy that they see on Instagram or Facebook. Instead of talking about, let's talk about a balance sheet or an income statement.
0: That's wild. What's, can interest, you imagine, what's the interest rate mean? Can you yeah. imagine this guy's going to say, listen, I know you guys want to talk about buying houses, but let's talk about this board a yacht club over here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this NFT. <laughs> yeah. Man. And it's true, That's man. funny, because that that's was one crazy. of the things they talked about right there. I forgot about that. That board eight.
1: That Fuck, that. you're that
0: was- kidding me. That was sarcasm. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I mean, hopefully yeah, hopefully, I mean. what they were talking about was this is not something you should be investing your money in. I bet yeah, you like what advice whatnot. were they
2: giving? Web 3.
0: Oh, yeah. Web 3 is the future, brother. Web 3 is the future. <laughs> that was a that was thing, man. Like, I, I know it sounds sarcastic, but I know. people were preaching like Web 3 was a big deal. Let me tell you all about it. And that's more relating to a... Uh, i guess an age group i you know what's funny i was listening to cnbc today i do this every morning i'll get to work I, i'll mm-hmm. drive into work you know i'm trying to get my mind ready for work day so i'll listen to cnbc in my like maybe 10 minute drive <laughs> it's not that long of a drive and they were talking about crypto because cryptocurrency had a rally today bitcoin's above 40,000 again 42 yep yeah and um people were like well you know ethereum's the only one with the utility built in and it's got a network behind it. i'm like jesus fuck! here we go again <laughs> yeah like when, when will this stop right and then I just imagine every like, guy who like, was on his mom's couch because he lost everything in crypto is like,
1: yeah, it's going to the moon, man. Yeah, it still has, still has another 20000 to go in, yeah. order to, in order to get to its high.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I love it, though. But So, here, here's, so a buddy of mine, um, he used to play in the NFL, too, a long time ago. And we were talking about uh, kind of why he got into business. He, he owns uh, hotels now. And I was like, hey, man, like, Mm -hmm. you know, why why did you ultimately get in the business when you left the league? Like, you know, why didn't you do something different? He's like, number one, I didn't have a choice. I left the league. I didn't have a lot of money Mm -hmm. ready to go. I had to continue to make money. Yeah, man. He's like, I could have ran it out. But at that point in time, you know, what am I doing? I'm just waiting to die. He's like, I'm 30 years old when I got out of the league. Right. Now he's, you know, almost 60. And he said to me, he said, look, I saw Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson's making moves. And he's like, look, most of his money that he's really made. If you look at the straight dollar for dollar, how much he's made, he's made more after his career than he did during his career by being a savvy businessman.
1: Bro, didn't they want to offer him like a $25 million deal for 25 years Mm -hmm. at at one point? Yeah. Like that was the deal. That was the deal. (laughs) And look, I mean, not a bad deal, but I mean, for back then, but still. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at guys
0: like him who, I mean, he didn't have that Jordan brand type deal, Mm. but he made a ton of money afterward in business because he had that, that vision. But to your point, Jordan, man, like I, the problem is I think so many people are raised to, to not think about the business as, like, their future. They think about the now. I'm making this now. What am I going to yeah. do right
1: now? Yeah, and to piggyback off that a little bit and something that I'd like for you to, like, chime into, Jordan, is I feel like for it, just thinking about the average NFL player, right, so much of their identity has been a, being a football player, Right. I mean, from I don't even know how young they started. So if all you've ever been taught to think about is football and this is the way to get out and this is the way to make it to all of a sudden get in the league and be handed over this check to now have to have the foresight like you in order to think about your future also, that can be really overwhelming, right? So how do you overcome you know, that, that battle with your own identity? I mean, I know you've always been a numbers guy, but to also think about, look, I have a whole nother, you know, however many years after my NFL playing career to think about, how do you, how do you deal with that?
3: Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you said that one part, man, when you, when you finally make the lead, you know, we made it. That's what people say. We made it. What do you mean? What do you mean? We made it. That's that's (laughs) that's all I'm saying. That's, that's problem. Number one, people identify you as the breadwinner. From Uh-oh. the get-go, you're a 19, 20-year-old kid, breadwinner. You got 50-year-old men, 60-year-old women telling you, you know, you're the breadwinner for the family. You got to bring money into the family now as a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. So that's wow. part of the identity. Then, again, back to the two years, you got all that crunched into a two-year time span. And once it ends, the identity doesn't go anywhere. People still see you as that, as the leader, as the breadwinner, as the choice maker. And when you can't do, you basically run out of the money, options, opportunity to be the leader of the family. That's when you start seeing, in my opinion, the identity crisis. Uh, feel like you're not worth anything or worth something to society because mm-hmm. it comes
0: quick. It's a quick turnaround Yeah, for sure. Wow. I mean, every time I hear this story, I think about Delonte West.
1: That's, yeah, that's a tough one.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Guy was in the league, made tons of money. He was a great player. Right, right. Played with champions. Yeah, and he had a, a real problem. And as soon as you left the league, man,
1: like, I, I mean, nobody, I, nobody tried to help. I look, I'll, I'll go even bigger than that. I, I mean, we're. I know you're in the NFL, but I, I've read so much about basketball. Allen Iverson, right? Like, he was on the verge mm-hmm. of. Think about how much money he made with yeah. all the endorsement deals. China saved him. Well, he almost he almost went completely broke, but he had a financial advisor. That saw the way this was going, took the lead, set aside 30 million for him, and then now is growing that and living off that now.
0: How'd he set aside thirty
1: million? I don't know what the deal was and how he had that access in order to trust him with what, but he did, uh. and that's what now he's able to like grow off of and you know, continue to live off of. But look, that could have been another tragic case. <laughs> Just save thirty million. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, Thirty minutes. That? i mean it it's is, big, what it is. a big cushion oh, right there i guess yeah. i'll
0: survive off 30 <laughs> shit <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: right so jordan I, I gotta ask some questions i want i want to know so you spent all this time in business school you spent all this time you got your master's you've become very thoughtful about these things obviously with insurance and 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 some of the, the, the i think the series seven you said if you were to make investments today and you were to go out like what do you like and why like, what? what's your yep. investment, like, thought process?
3: Uh, yeah, so my whole process or plan, investment plan, has always been, I'm not the smartest guy in the building. I never deem myself. I might be, I might not. I don't know. But to say that, I'm a very, I'm less risky, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very long-term thinking. Right? And any investment I make is the whole Warren Buffett analogy. Don't do an investment for 10 minutes if you can't do it for 10 years. So... Mm. Investments I really plug at is index funds. Okay. Why? Because they're easy. Um it lets me allow time to do other things. I just put money in and move on with my life. That's long-term, 10, 15 years. I don't expect any positive return. Now, obviously, I understand it 10% on average every year. But for short-term investments, I do just money market account backed by federal bills.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, maybe... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, mine went blank. High interest checking account, not checking account. Uh, um, I high sales. yield savings account. Yeah. If it, there we go. If if it competes with the money market, other than that, pretty much it. Uh, I bought this house or this condo, I should say, back in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. But that was due to a uh, the quantitative easing period, low fixed costs for a. Living costs, that was always going to be around. So I always don't have, need a rent or a mortgage. There's mm-hmm. an opportunity to keep that fixed low for 30 years. Then my whole theory is uh, when it comes to real estate, is stay in a real estate property, five to six years, let CPI take over until that profit margin is comfortable enough to start renting it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much kind of how I, I take my investment.
0: Man, man, I wish more people thought about their properties when they bought that way buying in 2018 2019 was probably perfect. I mean that was that was a great time for rates and it was a decent time for values before the 2019 2020 pandemic really drove prices up about forty percent in some areas. So that was that was. Mm-hmm. Did you know at the time when you were buying that it was that crucial, or did it just happenstance of all these things came together for the perfect timing for you?
3: Yeah, man, I thought I was a genius at first. I said my property went up forty percent in the last two years. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just. I just had some good guidance from my mentor. To tell me about uh, that's when I first start learning about the monetary policy and mm-hmm. quantitative easing and tightening. And this is a good time to basically get free money uh, compared to his, you know historical data. Mm-hmm.
4: Man, oh, I, don't I like John, your I really mentor enjoy.
3: already.
1: Yeah, seriously,
0: I like this guy. Oh yeah, he's
1: he's looking out
0: for you, man, Mister John. Yeah.
3: yeah, shout out to Mister John. Dude,
1: dude. Man. Yeah, seriously, the world needs more people like Mister John. They really do. And Mister Dan. Yeah. We need to get yeah. them on the
0: show.
1: Yeah, get them on the show, too. We'll do a yeah. collaboration.
0: Yeah. Look, I, so here's yeah, the thing I see is that, like, when I grew up, I didn't have, uh, you know, Mr. Dan, Mr. John. I, I didn't have these people around. I grew up by watching mm-hmm. people make mistakes, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people around me who were wealthy lose it all, um, particularly during, like, the, the early 90s recessions. Wow. Um, and then in 2001 with the dot-com bubble burst, I saw a lot of people around me, like, who had a lot of money lose a lot of money. And that was kind of how I learned. I saw all the things that these people were putting their money into, and they lost. And the commonality was always the same. They bought expensive shit. They always liked to seem like they were wealthy. And they lived a lifestyle that I was like, wow, like, oh, they must be making money. Right. Yet, when I was a teller, I'll never forget, there was a guy who came in every single day in a Hawaiian shirt and, like, board shorts. And I was like, this guy, come on, man. Yeah. He had all, like, rainbow sandals. (laughs) He he was all about that life. Yeah, he sounds like all dude. And he was, he was, um, mildly overweight and, um, (laughs) cough a lot. Uh, no, he didn't cough a lot. That's just Uh, like, you know, but, uh, he, uh, you know, he was a nice guy. He was always happy. He'd come in random ass times of the day. And the first time I ever looked at his account, I saw seven figures in this dude's account. And I'm like, God damn, I wonder why he's happy. He doesn't give a fuck what he he looks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So finally I I built up the courage to ask him. I'm like, Hey man, like, you know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, um, I worked a long time. I saved a lot of money. I drive the same car I did back then. I didn't buy nice watches, all these things. And he's like, some years I was making five, 600 grand. And he's like, this is like in the late 80s, early 90s for him. He's like, that's like a million dollars now. And he's like, I just, I lived off of like $80,000 a year. I put all that money into investments in the markets. Right. And then I started buying real estate. And he's like, now I do this. I come into the bank and get some money out and go have a good, good time. <laughs> and he was dead serious <laughs> but the reality is is that like, like that guy didn't look rich he wasn't wearing gucci chanel or prada he wasn't driving like a high-end car but he never worried
1: yeah he was good
0: he knew the rest of his life he was good because he made the sacrifice
1: that's something that we've always said on the show right the real rich people aren't the flashy ones you don't need to if you're you don't need to flash it around in order to you know to be rich right yeah it's weird Yeah. It's- no, that's how
3: that's number one indicator. I remember the first time, first in the league when I knew you always just tell us we gonna go broke within the first year of leaving the league. My first example was this guy who we used to call him Jack because there was this casino on my first team called Jack Casino. And mm-hmm. uh man came in to the weight room after a good gambling session and uh yeah, he just had twenty grand of cash in his pocket while lifting weights. For no <laughs> reason. Just twenty sense. grand in his pocket. Like, sounds like a doing? Tuesday. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> like, a little introduction to the league. And um, it's just I don't know, it's a bunch of random stuff that's kinda of funny. Uh what's another one? Oh, i I seen a bulletproof bulletproof car. Bullet bulletproof car with first seats.
0: Yeah, Like, I'm going to be honest, man. Like, if if you need a bulletproof car, you got other shit going on in your life. I'm telling you, yeah. You know? Why is that a major selling point for the Cybertruck? That should not. No, the (laughs) Cybertruck's. Don't bash (laughs) me, bro. The Cybertruck's cool. How dare you? Yeah. I was telling Cy earlier today, man. Let me see if you guys know this, Arun and Jordan. So I didn't know. So I couldn't figure out why, like, everybody was, like, so hyped over the Cybertruck. Because it looks cool, but it's big. Real big. Yeah, it's massive. And I spot the Rivian. I like the Mm -hmm. Rivian a lot more. It seems more luxurious. But yet, all the people in the automotive space that I knew, like real automotive people who were like, you know, they're about this life. Right. They're like, this thing's amazing. And I'm like, so I finally sat down and started doing some research. There's some interesting technology behind this thing, man. Like, Elon Musk, through his team, because they had to go through this adversity in creating it, they changed the way the game is going to be done for cars moving forward. So instead of having a wiring harness that wires the entire car through copper wire— they use a different type of wire. I think, it's, uh, I think it's just fiber optic cable, whatever it is. So it reduces 77% of the copper wire in the vehicle. So the same wire that attaches to your windows going up or down will attach to your heater, will attach to your door locks. And it's just one cable that runs all the way through and it just taps just out. Just making basically. it that
1: much more efficient.
0: That much more efficient. 77% less copper in the vehicle. They redefined a lot of the way they did things in, in the production process to be more streamlined. And the whole idea of not painting the vehicle is something that Tesla's probably going to do moving forward. So right now, the Cybertruck, it comes in this bare metal with like a gloss coat on top of it, right? Mm. But it's a really durable gloss, Mm -hmm. almost like a powder coat, right? And if you want it in any color, you get two options, white or black, and they're both wraps that come from the factory. Not paint, wrap. Not paint, wrap. Can you imagine how much money is saved if you remove paint and you remove 77% of the copper in those wiring harnesses and all the other efficiencies down the chain? He's going to be able to make these cars mm-hmm. way more efficiently and economically viable. Right. Now, it is twice the price that he originally said it was going to be, but I'm not holding a grudge. What an, an asshole. <laughs> Wait,
2: so Jordan, what was your first big purchase?
0: Wow, he just didn't give a fuck what one I asked. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, nothing. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> yeah, <he's laughs> he was right. waiting for, for you to stop. Yeah. Yeah, was,
3: at least I had the respect. Come on, man. I waited.
2: Wait, what do you want me uh, to say? Uh, oh, shit, first. that's crazy, Chris. Yeah, that'd be a good start.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, first big purchase of... Mine was a car, uh, you know, not, you know, I should say a uh, jacked up four by four truck. Uh, okay. You know, what I had a limited edition, I guess. Not limited edition. It was a Z92. What was it? Sierra 1500. Okay. Uh, yeah. Four Good truck. Four. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Then, uh, but then I went down the financial literacy route and now I drive a 01 Dodge Ram five speed. That's my yeah, guy.
1: I love it.
3: I love. it. Hey, man, until the Rivian,
0: I was driving <laughs> yeah, a 2015 Jeep, and I fucking loved that thing. It was my baby. Mm-hmm. I beat it to shit, too, but I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you well, can't man, see probably What? I'm driving
1: a 2018
0: Jeep. Don't let the 2018 Jeep fool you, though. He lives in a palazzo. It's that, a big-ass house. That's a lie. Don't listen fucking to Fucking huge. Arun over here <laughs> so just got a full concrete backyard. Costs more than my house and my cars combined. Hey, when when you come out to Cali, man, That's we'll right. have
1: we'll have you and, and the wife and the kid over and I'll show you how small my palazzo is. <laughs> just,
0: <laughs> just make sure to follow the windy trail up That's to the no guard tower point. and they'll <laughs> let you in. Sky.
1: Crazy. Ooh-wee. Crazy. Yeah. Nice, Crazy. Man. So, I mean, so can you can you tell was there anything what was what was the first uh like investment move that you made that made you feel like okay, I, I, I'm, I'm on the right track. I'm, I'm doing, I, 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 may, I, did, I read everything that I was supposed to read, and I'm going to uh, yep. pull the trigger. I'm going to make my first investment. Do you remember what that was?
3: Oh, yeah. So this one might be a little long. Uh, but Take your time. Yeah, so, yeah, I was with time. Morgan Stanley. All right. So I was with Morgan Stanley um, for a year, and then I met Mr. John, and he was coaching me up for about four or five months. And he was going over, uh, his basic philosophy was 95% of financial advisors can't beat the market.
0: That's true. Facts.
1: For the ones that can. Factual.
3: For the ones that can beat the market, once they beat the market, say they get 13%, the average market's 10%. But if they charge you 3%, you still got the market return. So now they have to do the same thing year after year after year. What's the probability? Of them winning against the market. So invest in the market. And number three, he said, was if they are the financial advisor that can beat the market, they're not dealing with you. They're dealing with multimillionaires, maybe even a billionaire. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So he said, your best chance is to invest in the general market. Now that you know what the general market is, you know it's 10% per year. How can you? get the most out of that 10%. Well, having a financial advisor that charges you 3% is not getting the most out of 10%.
1: There you go.
3: It's obvious. So that's when you go down to index, index, fund route, mitigate your expense ratio, management fee, administrative fee, cost. And just let it ride for a long time. And once I figured all that out, all that knowledge to answer your question, my first big purchase investment-wise was just transferring assets from Morgan Stanley, transfer them, don't sell them, to uh, Fidelity and then selling them there so I don't, they don't get the uh, commission off the sale and then uh, oh. buying, I don't know, whatever, how many shares of uh, S&P 500, VU, mm-hmm. and VTI.
0: There
1: you go. Pro so tip,
0: you, pro tip. So you transferred via DWAC from one uh, advisory firm to another firm. So for those of you who don't, don't follow, yep. what happens is, is you arrange a transfer of assets via this DWAC process, and the sender institution, so Morgan Stanley in this case, will create the transfer into your like, institution that's receiving, in this case, Fidelity. You'll have to go to Fidelity and actually tell them the DWAC information, which is usually an account number and a transaction number, and they'll pull in those securities and assets. And now what you've done is you've moved your stock that you hold in this one account to another account without selling anything. So you don't have any capital gains hits. And now you have a
1: different custodian who
0: manages your account. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's something that I know that we've preached on, on the show before is the, when you're looking to get into these ETFs or these index funds that you can shop around, you could see, you'd be surprised at how low some of these expense ratios are. It doesn't, they won't charge you a whole lot. Right. If you get into like, let's say VOO.
0: Ironically, VOO is still one of my, my favorites. Actually, I should probably figure out how much I have in VOO at some point in time and talk about it on the show. But that—that uh, that is the largest investment that I hold in my 401k, and it is one of my largest single holdings in my active investment account. And by active investment, I mean that I—I I buy, you know, on my own discretionary decision making for like a long term, not right. like I'm moving around stuff assets all the time. Right. Yep. Yeah. But I like. I also like IVOO. There's a lot. There's a lot of Vanguard index funds, uh, emerging markets. There's uh Mid-cap, small-cap, and large-cap index fund. And then there's obviously VOO, which is the index 500. Right. So, yeah, big fans. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you pivot into this. Mr. John's got you set up right. And then you wind up now where you decide, okay, I'm going to retire from the league and you're out of the league. Mm-hmm. What, what's the game plan for five years? Like what, 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 is, what does your life look like in five years from an investment perspective? What's the goal?
3: right yeah so the goal for me is financial freedom and y- y'all pointed to early earlier when we are talking about i think it was your mentor or no it was a guy that walked in with the sandals in the bank yeah is that his financial freedom gave him no stress stress-free
4: mm-hmm.
3: and that's all i look for and now it's not gonna make you happy this and that it makes life easier don't get me wrong but it gives you an opportunity to give life meaning if that makes sense so mm-hmm. um Financial freedom five years from now, then you know, you can calculate it however you want. Roll a seven. Um uh, if you don't touch the investment, you know, the four percent rule if you do, calculate it that way. Um but from a financial standpoint, have all my expenses covered, which they pretty much almost are. Uh very low cost guy. Like that's my number one rule is to bring cash flow in and mitigate costs. Right. Uh, personal financial lifestyle. So then from a education, uh investment five-year plan, pretty much the same thing. Dollar cost average in the index funds. I want to get more into real estate. Uh, I want to start renting this property out to move on to my next venture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really about it. I'm, I'm a keep, a, keep it simple kind of guy. Let the roll of seven take over.
1: Yeah. I love that, man. I mean, given, given your recent, your recent time in the league and, where social media has now emerged to are conversations like this in the locker room happening are, are people are, are they even talking about it or is, is this something still like not spoken about in the locker room between teammates?
3: Yeah, they definitely talk about it. It's just, it's a wide range, man. It's you have your people like me who uh, love finance, love numbers. And then you give them a bunch of money. Did you just go more down the rabbit hole? But then you have people who don't, which is 95% of America, who don't want to do anything with the money. They don't want to look at it. They just want somebody who thinks has their best interest and let them take over, Then they just want normal conversations in a locker room. Mm. Which is fine. You know, it's like any other job, is, do you want to talk about finances after you've done your job for eight, ten hours, or do you want to talk about what's going on in your life and your family?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, see, this is, this is the thing about about this country and other countries, and for that matter, that, that they really – Makes me question things. It's taboo to talk about wealth. It's taboo to talk about money because you're perceived to be greedy or focused on the wrong things. But why? Mm-hmm. Like, So I can go into a locker room easily any day of the week and be like, yo, I want to fuck the shit out of this girl, bro. And then yeah. everybody be like, oh, hey, perk up, Here's mm-hmm. all up. Right. But the sad part is, is like, there's nothing wrong about talking about making money. Right. We glorify it in music, Right. Mm-hmm. We glorify it in lifestyle on social media, but then the second you talk about it in a
1: social setting,
0: you're materialistic.
1: Right. That's weird to me. Mm-hmm. Right. I think and I, I think more so than anything, I think a lot of people aren't as well read and maybe are a little bit more insecure. So they're yeah, they're yeah. afraid of, you know, for lack of a better term, getting undressed in a conversation. It's showcasing Mm-hmm. how little they know so they'd rather just steer clear of the conversation i try to address you in every conversation i already knew where you were going you <laughs> can't <laughs> put that out there like come
0: on baby <laughs> you're not going to throw that up there and yeah. you me not to get it you didn't think i <laughs> yeah. floated it on purpose yeah i know what you floated <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dirty bastard that's funny but no,
3: you're right on that man especially when like the 1% people they have to they have to be hard-headed and you tell them i'm smarter than you and i've been alive the same time frame as you yeah. Who are you to tell me that you're smarter than me?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: But it's not smart, though. That's, that's the thing I think people get real caught up right. in. Right. Yeah. Just because exactly. I'm interested in exactly. finance doesn't mean that I'm smarter. Right. I'll give you a great example, and I'll do, I'll do the right. reverse, right? A lot of doctors and lawyers are smart people, right? Yeah. You can go to medical school, be incredibly intelligent, incredibly disciplined, dedicated. A lot of attorneys. You can go to law school, be disciplined, intelligent, dedicated, all those things, right? Right. Athletes, same mm-hmm. thing. That doesn't mean you know everything about the world. You still don't know shit about business and money.
1: Yeah, this goes this you goes know? hand in hand with every aspect of life. You know, I just thought of it right now as you're pointing it out. If I take a uh, financial literacy class in college mm-hmm. and I'm reading something factual, something like you know Jordan said earlier, right? Don't try to beat the market. Just you know, invest long-term funds, right? And then I go home to my twenty-some-year-old friends and I tell them, hey guys, we should all do this. You know what the reaction is going to be? Fuck out of here, man. You just took one <laughs> fucking class. You're going to tell me what to do. But it's like, hey, that's factual. Or if I all of a sudden get into eating paleo, you know, whole natural foods, we know that's the right way to go to cut weight. And I get into paleo, I start talking about it. Man, this guy's been on paleo for one week. He's going to tell me. Right? Yeah, but here's,
0: here's what that shit changes, though. You start losing that weight. You right. start looking better. You start showing the signs of it. Here's the problem with money. If I'm starting to make more money, you're not going to see any outward signs of it because if I'm truly dedicated to this craft, the whole idea is for me to keep the money in the markets and keep the money invested mm. and not to be out here doing all the things that you think is successful. With a good, healthy diet, you lose weight. Right. Right? That's true. That's with true. with, with the, so many things in life, people go like, oh, you know, Saeed or Jordan or Arun, maybe. You guys, <laughs> you guys are losing weight or you guys are getting in shape or you guys are seeing the benefits. It's easy. It's visual. But with money... Unless you're out there being flashy, doing the wrong thing, it's not visual. Right. It's very counterintuitive. I can't tell you how many times. I got siblings, and you guys know. and We've talked about this before. I've got, you know, four siblings. Mm -hmm. And the three younger ones, to this day, they don't know. They're out here, like, going, like, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) You you (laughs) act like you're hot shit and everything. Yeah. But, I mean, you live in a three-story attached townhome. Right, You're not rolling out on Lambos and Ferraris.
1: That's crazy. You're man. not really making that money, bro. And I'm like, but I am. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I am. I, I know.
0: For and then and all of a sudden, I, this is sad. I'm, I'm going to do it myself. So you can take your shot. Okay. Then the black card comes along. They're
1: like, wait a minute. Mm. That don't make sense. Because <laughs> you were flaunting the black card, So they're like, oh, that's... that's yeah, I was doing like this. Look at me. I'm rich. <laughs> do they remember when you were younger and you got the <laughs> white uh, Beamer or no?
0: You know, you know, you hear a funny story about that that car? So... I, uh, I had a black 7 Series on 22-inch rims. Stupid. I was fucking young and dumb, right? It was a 745i, and, it you know, 22 wheels, fully equipped, black on black, and, and um, I did that, and I'm an idiot, and the transmission went out. They wanted, like, seven grand to fix this transmission, <laughs> and I was like, come on, man. Like, I'm, I'm not that guy. Like, I know I look like it, but I'm not that guy, <laughs> right? So instead, I went to the dealership, I had it towed to a dealership, put it in the parking lot, and then came back a couple of hours later, acted like I drove in. Right? This is on Halloween. I'll never forget Halloween. And uh, I roll in there, and my dad's with me. My dad, my dad knew how much money I'd made was making because he helped me buy a home at the time.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, he was like, "Oh shit, you make this much?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, we're gonna get you a new car, son." Yeah. I'm like, I'm like "Dad, I just need you to come along with me." <laughs> And, and maybe, like, just co-sign me driving this car, which I did not drive in the parking lot. Right. Right? So we get there. My dad falls in love with a, 745, a 7, yeah, 740, 740 LI. It was long wheelbase. Mm-hmm. It was 2012. It was a brand new body. Big, long, expensive. Yeah. And my dad, like, is like, I got this. I'll handle everything. <clears throat> and he goes in there and starts negotiating. I'm, I'm just, like, trying to act like I, did. I drove the car to the dealership and get, like, a suitable, like, replacement. Yeah. Maybe even downgrading. Somehow I leave the fucking dealership with a $1,200 a month payment. Oh my gosh. Like Jeez. like six hours later, I had people that come to my house and then I show up to the house and everybody's in my house waiting for me because we're going out on Halloween night mm-hmm. to like a bar in Laguna Beach. And they're like, is this a new car? I'm like, yeah. But I'm fucking pissed because I know how much I just planned to spend. Right. It was one of the worst investments. Uh, one, uh, investments. It was one of the worst things I ever bought. Yeah. I regretted it to the day I got rid of that fucking car. I, every fucking time I made that payment, I was like, "This is the stupidest fucking thing." No, it was cool. Lots yeah. of options, recliner seats in the back, which I never used. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you know. I mean, it was it was a cool <laughs>
1: car. It had lots of features. Did you seat ha- coolers, Jordan? Did you have any financial missteps that you look back on? and You wish, like, oh man, I wish I didn't do that one.
3: Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, but they're just more. I never had anything outrageous right. for sure. Just maybe. A couple thousand at
1: most. I was,
3: I saved a, a lot of my money through that way. I wasn't going down that road.
1: Oh, good for you, man! But uh, better man than me.
3: But nothing. Crap, I mean, You could call my car. I guess you know the whole. I did the same thing as Chris. Mm-hmm. Bought the car, nice car, big rims, big engine. Uh, doing willies in my dad's pasture and blew the transmission out. Oh. Ten grand. Don't <laughs> want to pay. Do I want to keep paying that or not?
0: Yeah, I I couldn't you know. do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I know. Here's the crazy thing: is like you like all these things, and it sounds cool when you buy them, right up until you have a problem with it, or you have to like maintain it, and you're like, wait, I have to pay how much for tires? Yeah, the oh, fuck out of here. <laughs> sorry, I know. I
1: just bought new tires for the Jeep, and I'm just like, why did I do this? Why? Did, why did I do this? Bro, just you got
0: thirty five inch tires, those to go like fifty fifty thousand miles, oh man. Sixty five, man. Come on, sixty five thousand miles. Yeah, bro, what crack pipe are you smoking? Put the drugs down. You can no more <laughs> alcohol. For <your> <laughs> Getting the sixty-five thousand miles
2: out of those tires. Yeah, I, I swear. Why you know, to you know I who I always think about, Said? Uh Brandon Jennings. He was uh, he was pretty financially literate as well going into the league. Remember, he was supposed to go to college, and he's like, "Never mind, I'm just gonna go play overseas for one year and collect a check." Mm. And then when he came into the league, he's a basketball player. He got drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks, mm. and instead of buying like a big time house and like one of those fancy cars, he rented an apartment. And he got an electric car. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, bro, the NBA career is like two years, three years, something like that. He's like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I just Mm -hmm. need to save my money and be smart.
1: I love hearing stories like that.
2: Yeah. And unfortunately, he did get injured, I think, like six, seven years into his career.
1: And yeah.
0: Jordan, I should point out, there are very few things in this show that Arun feels that he can relate to.
1: He's so excited. And and (laughs) this is the
0: first time we've ever even gotten close close to sports. sports. Yeah. He is so excited Sports back baby. there. It's unbelievable. <laughs>
2: it's unbelievable. I think that's the longest I've ever spoken. That is that is by far the longest you've ever spoken.
1: Yeah. He's so happy. Although <laughs> although you gotta you gotta you gotta take his input with a grain of salt. We gotta try he's a Chargers fan. What?
3: Uh, come on, man. Chargers. You wanna you wanna char- you wanna you want, you want talk you yeah. about
2: that? <laughs> uh,
3: no, last time I played Chargers, y'all were in a soccer stadium. That
2: was about three years ago. <laughs> we were. We were building out the stadium in LA. I said <laughs> we, hey, we were. He said we. The, the LA Rams. <laughs> yeah, we, we. The LA Rams were building out their stadium that we, uh, we rent.
1: We, again? He <laughs> can't stop doing it. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> How often do you play, bro? I'm a fan of the Chargers. You, you want can't can? say we. Don't be that guy where you're oh, so yeah. ingratiated. He's, he's emotionally invested, man. Let him be, oh, man. Unfortunately, oh, I am, man. Yeah. Jesus. I wish so I could go back
2: like 30 years and stop myself and be like, not the Chargers, man. Not the Chargers. <laughs> not
1: the Chargers.
0: You should be rolling with Kansas City right now. That's what you should be doing. Uh, yeah. I
2: can't. They're a rival. Oh.
3: Let me ask you, Chris. I was. I know you give Saeed and a hard time about sports. hmm I want to hear your uh, opinion on sports because I read some today about I think it's ninety percent or above ninety percent of Fortune five hundred CEOs all played sports in college. So I was, was wondering when, why okay. you.
0: I got I got some shit for you right here, boy. You touched <laughs> me on the right topic at the right time. All right, so here we go. Look, so um, I'm watching this movie, pain uh, this documentary docu series on Netflix called Painkiller. It's about how Oxycontin yep. got to the market and how essentially it's really heroin in, in another form. And one of the things they did in the first two episodes, you'll notice that they recruited these farm reps that, that are athletes, former athletes. Mm-hmm. And it, it struck a chord of me because I know from, from some of my earliest mentors, they always looked for athletes in business because athletes had the discipline, they had the drive, they had the focus, they had all the things focused on on their early childhood, that they can now be converted over to business. And I grew up in sports. Mm-hmm. I grew up playing basketball. I grew up, I still live to this day. I think health is, is truly imperative. I think a lot of that discipline you know, follows through. And I think sports equates to business in a way that people don't appreciate because you learn those fundamental skills. You do all the shit you don't want to do because you know, you hope, and you want to become a better player, mm. right? And in business, it's the same thing. You know, you hope, you want to become a better business person. You want to see that end goal. In this case, it's quantifiable. It's in money. It's in metrics. It's in, in results. So I think there, there, there is a great symbiotic world. Now, that being said, I recognized um, probably 10 years ago, the day I decided to stop playing basketball, it was, it was one day. I clearly remember when I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. Like, I used to play, like, every single day. I, 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 you know, I trained. That was my entire focus. I said, you know what? I'm putting so much time and energy into watching sports and keeping up with sports and keeping focused on something that was my life then. My life now, my sport now has got way more longevity built into it. My wife and I were having this conversation because she'd never seen me play, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, look, as it, sad as this is that you didn't get to see that part of my life that part of my life was so short compared to how long my business life can be.
4: Mm.
0: Charlie Munger just died at 99 and was still working, right? Mm -hmm. So I look at someone like you and you get it. You get the longevity of your life. You get how long this game really is. The game that you've always been playing, whether you've been doing it vis-a-vis sports or not, is about personal growth and building your family. And, And that's where I think, Sports for me really died and the bigger picture kind of like clicked. It came on. And I didn't always have that. It, you know, I was in my mid-late 20s when the light bulb went on. I was like, oh, shit, wait a minute. Right. Maybe all of this was for the rest of my life.
1: Right. But I know, I know specifically for Jordan, he also gives back by coaching uh, some young gentlemen over at, at a high school. And this could be a very valuable way for you to connect with them and also maybe – instill and implant some you know financial literacy like hey I know you guys are working on this but I want you guys to also maybe read this book or read this article right maybe you touch on that a little bit right.
3: yeah well, it's kind of funny that I'll actually go and probably ask after the podcast a little letter from both of y'all so attaining to that or pertaining to that is uh, yeah so I volunteered at this high school right down the street called Beachwood and I really enjoy just hanging out with the kids teaching them about football life uh, maybe I'll a couple business key points in there a couple diamonds but uh I'm actually supposed to meet with the principal and this Friday about opening up a program for student athletes on exactly what chris is talking about how can you use the skills and attributes that you've learned in sports and carry that over to real life because only what one percent half a percent actually go play college but Usually the sports people in the school are the leaders in the community after post-graduation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, what does that program look like? So it's kind of funny you talk, y'all are talking about that because I got billed that a uh, program for the principal
1: Friday and presented to him. That's incredible, man.
0: Let, let me, let me tell you. So I, I started going into schools a couple of years back and I've stopped because the, the workload's gotten so busy with everything that we're doing now. But I used to walk into these programs and I would always start off the same way. I recognize the way that I'm, lo- I'm dressed. I'm dressed like an asshole. And they're like, okay, wait a minute, expletive. This guy's on my level. <laughs> like he's not, he's going to come at me shocking. And, and it's that shock factor. And number two was, mm-hmm. if you listen to me, I'm going to teach you how to get rich. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. it sounds like sensationalism. It's hyperbole. It's all those things. But that, that registers with kids. The whole reason I got on social media in the first place and we ultimately wound up here with this podcast as weird as this shit sounds was because I <laughs> wanted to relate to kids on a level that they could understand. And then I also wanted to have a good time with my friends talking about things that we really cared about. But walk in there with that. I mean, just be bold like that. Look, if you listen to me, I know it sounds crazy. I've seen good. I've seen bad. If you listen to me, you will get rich. Right. Name one of the class you're going to take and your time here today and your time here through the years that you're in school, that that's going to be your introductory statement, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I, like I try that. to I try to I try to tell my son and my daughter all the time is like when we go to they go to jujitsu, right? And they're in those professors there, and even the teachers at school, they're invested in these kids, right? And if anyone, mm-hmm. someone like yourself, is going to take the time out of their day to tell you, you know, or build you a roadmap on success, right? And they're not going to take any extra dollars out of you, right? Yeah. Like, there's something to be said there, right? They're not asking you to come out and pay for my subscription or my courses or whatnot. Like, I'm giving you the roadmap, and I would hope that they would listen. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Jordan, I have a question for you, actually. I've been been meaning to ask this for you for a while. So I want to say, like, three months ago-ish. I follow your channel. Uh, I follow your Instagram pretty actively. And you pivoted from having your financial content on Instagram to uh, LinkedIn. And then you kept Mm -hmm. a lot of your coaching and football commentary on Instagram. Why did you split it up? Yeah. So
3: one was what we talked about earlier was, Basically being a salesman for the financial services, you know, mm-hmm. I came out hot, man. I came out, I was like, I got so much knowledge. Yeah. Now I was going to run the world, I guess you say. So uh, retired, started putting the knowledge out for my athletes. And what we're talking about earlier, nobody was clicking with it. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, let me uh, take a few steps back and kind of see where I'm at. So doing that, I uh, turned my Instagram just towards football stuff. Which was my main following, anyways. Then I turned most of my educational base to LinkedIn. In my head, it was because I have more people that want to be affiliated with those subjects, will be my connections on LinkedIn. Um, I've had more engagement that way. Uh, but also write for uh, my local newspaper financial column, too. Oh, no shit. So I'll get some engagement through that.
1: Wow, that's incredible.
3: But. Uh, yeah, so the main reason to pivot was I wasn't getting too much engagement. I was, from an analytical standpoint, I was going from, I think, a 1,000 likes on one of my football pictures to, like, I think, six likes on one of my financial uh, posts, Yeah, which is understandable, different target audience, but yeah. it's kind of interesting in the algorithm. But I
1: really liked how simple you kept it.
3: Yeah, I do too.
1: You know, yeah. it's like a notepad and just straight to the facts, and you swipe and you get the answer. And it was, it was money every time.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take i sure, am I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Okay, bear with me. All right. Mm-hmm. The uh, Instagram algorithm has changed. And uh, there were a lot of people who had a lot less likes and a lot less views in their stories and a lot of that. And and this is all kind of foreign to me because you know social media is still something I'm trying to really understand better and I'm not doing a good job of it. That's right. I probably should spend more time. Uh, but <laughs> I know the algorithm changed dramatically. And at one point I had as high as 80,000 followers. I paid somebody to get me fake followers. It was a whole thing. And I paid somebody part-time, um, almost full-time for a while to remove them and give them off my account. And I certainly pivoted at one point from what I was doing to to really a financial focus and now really dedicated a lot to the podcast. My thought process was on that, like, look, I know it's going to be a conversion. I know it's going to be a period of time people are like, okay, look, you know what? I came here for car content. I came here for, like, you know, dick jokes. Mm-hmm. Why are we talking about money? Right. 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 And um, I lost a lot of people in that process. But now, several years later, I've seen more engagement now uh, and more people actively kind of reaching out to us via DMs and everything else. And it, it's overwhelming at this point. Yeah. My, my only statement to you is, is stay true to what you love because you'll keep doing what you love. But mm-hmm. and if that's football too, then great, so be it. That's all good. But uh do what you love do it in the way that you love and let your people find you. And if that means that you alienate some of your people that already followed you, that's okay too. Not
1: everybody has to like what you put out. You do. Right. All right. Yeah. My man's uplifting today. Look at you. I know you give me a couple yeah. of cocktails, all of a sudden. I'm advice, man? <laughs> I didn't make a fat joke.
0: Rune, how much you weigh? <laughs> This guy, <laughs> leave him alone, man. No, he lost a lot of weight. He looks great. He does. He's been dressing up more for the show. Although, you, Arun, now that now the, the four of us are talking amongst ourselves and nobody else is listening. Circle of trust. Yeah, circle of trust. <laughs> you looked a little stressed when you walked in today. What's going on?
2: Oh, man, we're going to Chicago on Wednesday, just a lot. <clears throat> um, the kids got doctor appointments today, had another ingrown toenail. So, mm. yeah, man, the whole, bro, ingrown toenails <laughs> is freaking... I went in. The doctor's like, "You again?" And I was like, "Yeah, man." He's Jordan. like, he looks at me. He goes, "Bro, hey. it's a five percent chance of you <laughs> growing your ingrown toenail again.
1: It's happened twice to you." Hey, Jordan, Jordan's like, "Man, do you know what kind of injuries I had to play through?" You telling tell me about ingrown toenail? Well, i'm not bro, complaining about but, the pain uh, i'm you, just you, saying you. there's an ingrown toenail and i still got taken care oh, of bro I'm, it I'm looks like... painful i don't know how you do it
0: <laughs> between his gout and his ingrown toenails he can barely walk some days I, I, I wish that was a joke but it's serious it, i don't i don't understand man i love him
3: <laughs> that's funny man that's funny yeah well jordan i
0: appreciate your time man i don't want to keep you too too long i know it's, it's late where you're at but uh Thank you for coming on the show, man. I've been waiting to connect with you for so long. I'm so glad you took the, the time out to do it. And, and uh, it's unfortunate you came through, Saeed, because I feel neglected.
1: Nah, man, it's okay. The love is real. No, it's not. But hey, man, I, I too wanted to thank you, man. Thank you for taking the time. And next time you're out here in California, make sure you stop by. Hit us up.
0: Yeah, i definitely do that. Appreciate you all having me on. All right, we'll Join do dinner. You. Houston's ribeye on me.
1: Mm. And uh, black card, for sure. All right. Sissy,
0: fuck. I see. I brought my, I, I myself.
3: I did
1: myself. I
0: might even get mad at you this time. All right. So that's
1: yeah. Fine. <laughs> All right, Odin. Well, you got anything else? Nope. Thank you very much for joining us today, jo- uh, Jordan. You want to plug anything before we get out? Uh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm All good. right. All right. All mm-hmm. right. All right. Then everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye.